Well, take your Bible and turn to Psalm 23. We started Psalm 23 last week, and we covered the first three verses. So I want you to look at this psalm with me. I've entitled the message today, The Shepherd and His Sheep, Part 2. This chapter was written 3,000 years ago. It includes 124 uh, words in the New American Standard Version of the Bible. And they've been a blessing to many throughout the centuries. This psalm is for you when you're heartbroken, when you're far away from God, when you're confronted with difficult decisions, and you face things in life that are difficult and traumatic for you. Let's recap just a moment what we learned last week. In Psalm chapter 23, verses 1 through 3, David wrote, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Now, when Jesus was incarnated into the human race a thousand years ago, a a thousand years after David wrote these words, he said this in John chapter 10, verse 11. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Now, when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, it was an amazing claim that he was making. He was claiming that he was Yahweh, he was Jehovah God. He was the fulfillment of Psalm 23, verse one. What an amazing moment that was in salvation history. The big truth that we emphasized last week was a simple one, but it has profound impact upon our lives every single day that we live. Here's that truth, the good shepherd will always take care of you. The good shepherd will always take care of you. Now, out of this truth, there are three realities that I want to bring to your attention today. The first one we looked at at last week, his provision for you. And we said last week, as we studied verses one through three, that you can count on the good shepherd meeting your physical needs. Just as a shepherd takes care of the physical needs of his sheep, so the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, will take care of our physical needs. By the way, let me ask you a question. Can you say with David, the Lord is my shepherd? Now, the only way that you can ever say the Lord is my shepherd is for you to come to a place in your life where you realize that you're a sinner and you're in desperate need of a Savior. And you repent of your sin and you place your faith and trust in Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. Then and only then can you say with King David, the Lord is my shepherd. So he will meet your physical needs. He will meet your emotional needs. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. 
If we truly follow the good shepherd in our life, he will do what's best for us in the emotional realm. And he will meet your spiritual needs. Psalm 23.3, David wrote, he restores my soul. Now, David had uh, an opportunity for God to restore his soul because David made some horrendous decisions and he committed some horrendous sins. And I'm sure you remember what they are. And David said, he restores my soul. One of the biggest problems for sheep is them getting cast down, finding themselves on their back. And when they're on their back, they can't get up on their own. They need the shepherd to help them up. And I want you to know, if you're far away from God today, if you're cast down spiritually today, I promise you the good shepherd will help you get back on your feet spiritually if you turn to him. The good shepherd will always take care of you. He will meet your physical needs, your emotional needs, your spiritual needs, and he will meet your volitional needs. In verse 3, David wrote, He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Now, there are a lot of paths in life, and a lot of them cannot be designated as paths of righteousness because the devil puts all of these opportunities for different paths that lead away from God, that lead away from righteousness before our very eyes. And they look appealing. And you know what we need? We need a shepherd to guide us to make sure that we're on the right path. And I promise you, the Lord Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, can change your will and cause you to want to follow the path of righteousness that he wants you to follow. So I ask you again, can you honestly say, the Lord is my shepherd? So the first thing we see about the all-encompassing care and concern of the good shepherd for his sheep is his provision for you. Number two, and this is new today, his presence with you, his presence with you. Look at verse four. David wrote, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Every summer, the Middle Eastern shepherds would lead their sheep from the lowlands where they had spent the winter, and they would take them to the highlands where they would spend the summer. Now, to make this trek, the shepherd would have to lead his sheep through valleys. Now these valleys were home to a lot of predators that lurked in the cracks and crevices of the mountains and hills that bracketed the valleys. Furthermore, storms could crop up in a moment's notice and wipe away a whole group of sheep sheep in the floodwaters that would occur. It was dangerous in the valley. Now, the good shepherd's presence is crucial for us at all time in our lives. It's crucial for us when we're on a mountaintop. It's crucial for us when we're in the valley. It's crucial for us at every moment that we live and have breath in our body. It's interesting that in the first three verses, David referred to the shepherd in the third person. He said, He makes me, he leads me, he restores my soul, he guides me. But when we come into this valley, 
the valley of the shadow of death, he switches pronouns and he goes to the much more personal, intimate, second person pronoun. And he says, you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I tell you, every sheep needs to be close to the shepherd. Are you close to the shepherd today? You say, well, pastor, I can say the Lord is my shepherd. I'm a born-again believer. I put my faith and trust in Jesus. But how close are you to him today? I'll tell you, his presence is so valuable in our lives today, tomorrow, and for all of eternity. The presence of the good shepherd. In Psalm 46, 1, the psalmist wrote, God is our refuge and strength. Now listen to this a very present help in trouble. He's there for, for you when you're in trouble. He's there for you when you're, you're in the dark valleys of life. You know, as I studied verse 4, I noticed something very interesting. I noticed the preposition. You know, prepositions can reveal a lot of spiritual truth to us. Look at verse 4 again. Even though I walk, what? through the valley of the shadow of death. Valleys, by their very nature, have an entrance and they have an exit. And and God says to us here that the good shepherd has no intention of leaving even one of his sheep in the valley forever. He's going to get you through. He's going to bring you into the valley. He's going to bring you out of the valley. I love what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 43, verse 2. He said, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. I love the preposition through here in this text and in Isaiah 43. God is our good shepherd, and he will bring us into the valley. You say, well, why would he bring us into the valley? Why would he bring us into these difficult moments in our lives? Because he loves us, and he knows that there are things that you can learn in the valley that you cannot learn on the mountaintop. You see, in the valley, he develops our character. In the valley, he teaches us to trust him when trust is difficult. In the valley, he shows himself strong on our behalf. You you say, but pastor, what does the valley of the shadow of death mean? Well, it means a lot of things. It it can refer to a, a dreadful diagnosis. It can refer to a sudden loss of job. It can refer to a financial nightmare. It can refer to the rebellion of a son or daughter or, or the death of a loved one. Those are valley-type experiences, and those experiences can be very dark at times in our lives. However, the darkest valley of all, listen to me very carefully, the darkest valley of all is death, the valley of the shadow of death. In Job 18.14, death is called the king of terrors. We don't know what it's like to die, do we? There's not a person in this room who can look me in the face and say, Pastor, I know exactly what it's like to die because you haven't died yet. 
And you know what that does for us many times? It injects fear into our lives. We're not afraid of what's on the other side of death. We know that we're believers. We know that we're going to heaven when we die. But we just don't know what's going to lie before us as we get to that point of death. And it scares us sometimes. It scares the person with cancer. It scares the person with with, uh, some kind of debilitating disease. But listen... Let me ask you a question. Are you afraid to die? Are you afraid to die? Listen, if you can say the Lord is my shepherd, you don't have to fear death. David faced death many times. In 1 Samuel 17, when he's talking to King Saul, he said, look, I I faced the bear. I faced the lion because the bears and lions were trying to destroy his sheep that he was taking care of. And he went after them and he killed them and he protected his sheep. And David went into the valley of Elah and he faced the champion of the Philistines, Goliath, who was immensely bigger than he was and stronger than he was. Yet he went in the power of the name of his God and he defeated uh, Goliath and he He killed him and he took his Goliath's own sword and cut his head off. And the the Israelites won a great victory that day. That was a, a, a dark valley for David. So he knew what it meant to be in these dark valleys and to face those times. Listen, I want to tell you something. Death has been swallowed up by the victory that the Lord Jesus Christ has won for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. In Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, the Bible says, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. You know what that means? Jesus became a human being. Jesus, who was fully God, became a human being. He was incarnated into the human race. That through death, he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. You see, if Jesus had not become a human being, he could have never died for our sins on the cross of Calvary. But Jesus did become a human being. And Jesus offered his body and his blood on the cross of Calvary to save us from our sins and to give us the, the, the gift of eternal life. Listen, the Bible goes on to say, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Verse 15, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. The Bible says you do not have to be in bondage to the fear of death if you're a born-again believer. Now, I'll tell you what, if I were not a born-again believer, if I could not say with certainty today, the Lord is my shepherd, I would be scared to die. But I'm not scared to die. Because the Lord is my shepherd, and he has won the victory over death. He has taken the sting out of death for the believer. Now, the good shepherd releases composure into the life of his sheep. They know that he is with them. He will never leave them nor forsake them. And there's no need to be overcome by fear if you're one of, of, of the sheep that belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd. I, I love what it says here in verse 4. The shepherd uses the rod to protect his sheep from predators. And he uses a staff 
to protect the sheep from themselves because sheep do dumb things. Did you know sheep do dumb things? Have you ever done a dumb thing? I've done dumb things before. And you know what the good shepherd does? He takes that crook on the end of his staff and he reaches out and he nudges his sheep to go onto the paths of righteousness or the sheep are in a position they shouldn't be. He takes the crook and he pulls them out of that dangerous situation that they have created for themselves. Aren't you glad that Jesus is our good shepherd? You see, if you say the Lord is my shepherd then you can face every dark valley with composure and with a supernatural measure of comfort. This surely includes the darkest of all valleys, the valley of the shadow of death. You know, I'm glad he talked about the shadow of death and not the substance of death. Let me ask you a question. If you were driving down an interstate, would you rather the shadow of an 18-wheeler hit you or the 18-wheeler itself hit you? Obviously, you'd want the shadow, right? And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit inspired David to include in this wonderful verse 4 of Psalm 23. The shadow of death. Listen, if you're a believer, you never have to fear the substance of death. You only have to deal with the shadow of death. And it can't hurt you. Listen, the Bible teaches us that the moment you die as a born-again believer, as one of his sheep, it'll be the most glorious experience of your life. You say, how do you say that, Pastor? Well, I can't tell you what it's like to come up to the point of death. I don't know what it's like to die. But I do know what happens after you die if you're a born-again believer, if you're one of his sheep. I do know. Say, how do you know? Because the Bible tells me so. The Bible says, listen very carefully. The Bible says the minute you die as a believer, you will be instantly at home with Jesus in heaven. All pain, sickness, conflict, tears, sorrow, and sin will be over forever. In the Lord's presence, you will experience joy inexpressible and full of glory. We don't have to fear death. Jesus, our good shepherd, has made provision for us. The good shepherd will always take care of you if you're one of his sheep. Now, out of this monumental truth, we've examined the first reality, and that's his provision for you. And now the second one, his presence with you. Now, thirdly, I want you to see his promise to you. Look at verse 5. David wrote, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now, I, I want you to understand that the reason that the good shepherd leads us into the dark valleys of life is because he's got something better for us. And listen, remember, every valley has an entrance and an exit. And when Jesus brings you out of that valley, I want you to know, dear friend, as a, as a born-again believer, as one of the sheep of the good shepherd, he's got something better for you. You say, well... 
Pastor, what is it? Well, listen, David said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And there's a shift of metaphor there, right? No longer are we talking about the shepherd. Now we're talking about the host, God as the host. And he is inviting us as his sheep to go home with him. I remember reading in in Genesis about Enoch, who was a very righteous man. And and Enoch would walk with God. And and one day Enoch was walking with God and fellowshipping with God. And God just said, hey, hey, Enoch, we're closer to my house than your house. Won't you come home with me? And Enoch went home to heaven without ever facing the shadow of death. Listen to me very carefully. God's got something amazing planned for every born-again believer. Listen, he said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And this promise highlights the ultimate victory of the believer in God's presence. You see, true believers, according to the New Testament, are overcomers. And the celebration of our eternal victory will be beyond anything we could dream, think, or imagine. The believer's enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, have been defeated once and for all, and these enemies of God will look on as God honors his sheep who have followed the good shepherd in this life. That's what it means when he talks about, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You see, eternal life is compared to a great feast, a great banquet. You say, Pastor, will we eat in heaven? I honestly believe we will eat in heaven because the Old Testament talks about a feast, a banquet that we will experience in the presence of God in heaven. Listen, you say, well, do do we have to watch cholesterol? No, you don't have to watch cholesterol. It's heaven, for Pete's sake. It's perfect. You don't have to worry about gaining weight. You, don't have to, you know why you eat in heaven? You eat for the sheer pleasure of eating. Do you love to eat? We love to eat, don't we? And God is not going to withhold that pleasure from us when we get to heaven. He goes on, and David talks about, you have anointed my head with oil. You see, as the host, God has brought us home to heaven, to his home, and he will treat you. Listen, this blows my mind. God himself will treat you as an honored guest, and he will fill your heart with gladness and joy. And then David wrote, my cup overflows. I want you to picture a cup that continually overflows no matter how much you take from it. You see, when God brings you to heaven, he will supply you with a fountain of life and joy and gladness that will never run dry. In Psalm 1611, David wrote, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And in your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Now, hold on to your seat just a minute. Think about that. In the right hand of God, there are pleasures forever. You say, Pastor, what could that be? Well, my little peanut brain cannot envision or fathom 
all that God has prepared for those who love him. But I can tell you this, it is going to be beyond anything that you have ever experienced in your life on, on planet earth. I assure you of that. In, in Psalm 16, 11, he talks about fullness of joy. We, we've never experienced the joy that we will instantly experience the minute we get to heaven. Now feast your eyes on this final verse of this chapter, Psalm 23, 6, where David wrote, surely, I love that word surely, don't you? You didn't say maybe. He said, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That word, that little word all, it's the biggest little word in the English language. You know why? Because it takes something finite and it expands it infinitely. Look at what he said again. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will, not maybe, not could, but I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here's a great thought. You don't have to be in heaven to experience heaven's blessings. Do you realize that if you're a born-again believer, if you can honestly say, the Lord is my shepherd, you can begin to experience the blessings of heaven right now as you live out your life on this planet. He said, surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. That word follow is an interesting little word in the Hebrew language. It literally means to be pursued by goodness and loving kindness, God's goodness and loving kindness. I love that, that phrase, that, that little word again, all the days of my life. This part of God's promise is included for those times when believers are trudging through dark valleys. You may be trudging through a dark valley today. You may be at home on live stream, or you may be traveling in a hotel room and, and you're watching our service today, or you may be in this room today and you're trudging through a dark valley and it is tough. You feel like you're swimming in glue and it's hard. And I want you to know there's a promise here for you. The Heavenly Father, the Good Shepherd promises you that surely goodness God's goodness and God's loving kindness will pursue you all the days of your life and that includes the dark valleys that you have to walk through in these moments God's goodness and loving kindness is all we need in Nahum 1 7 the Bible says the Lord is good how many of you know that God's good He's good. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who take refuge in him. In Psalm 103, verses 1 through 4, the psalmist wrote, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits who pardons all your iniquities. Aren't you glad that our good shepherd pardons all your, there's that little word, the biggest little word in the English language. 
He pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. This is a foretaste of heaven itself. The Bible promises every born-again believer, every child of God, every sheep in the fold of the great shepherd, the Bible promises that nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I don't care how dark the valley is. I don't care how tough it is. I don't care how alone you feel. I tell you on the authority of God's word, the goodness and loving kindness is nipping at your heels today. And the goodness and loving kindness of God will always be there for you. David ended this wonderful psalm with a perfect bookend for how he began it. He said, the Lord is my shepherd in verse 1. Now in verse 6, he ends the psalm by saying, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This reminds me of some of the final words that Jesus spoke to his disciples in the upper room before he was crucified. Those guys were shaken to the core. They were stunned. Jesus, the Son of God, their Master and their Lord, had told them that he would be crucified. And he looked into their eyes before he was crucified. And he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. But we're not so told you. For I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And then Jesus, before he was crucified, prayed the most wonderful prayer that is ever recorded in the Bible in John 17. And in verse 24, he's praying to the Father, and he says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. Never forget, the last word of Psalm 23 forever is the first word of eternity. So one final time, I want to drive this truth into your heart and your mind. The good shepherd will always take care of you if you can honestly say, the Lord is my shepherd. We've looked at his provision for you. We've looked at his presence with you. We've looked at his promise to you. And God is inviting people in this room and people watching live stream to his home in heaven. He's inviting you to go to heaven. But let, let me tell you this now, God's made it very clear. You can't go to heaven without Jesus. You can't go to heaven on your own recognition. You cannot go to heaven on your own righteousness or your own supposed goodness. There's only one way for you to go to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And today, I want to invite you, many of you listening in this room, many of you listening live stream, I want to invite you to examine your heart. 
Make sure that you're in the faith. Make sure that you can honestly say the Lord is my shepherd. And I want to invite you today to leave your seat here in just a moment. We're going to begin to worship here in just a moment. I'm going to invite you to come and speak to one of our our staff members and just tell them that today you want to make sure that your eternal home is in heaven with Jesus. And we'll introduce you to one of our trained volunteers. They'll take you out of this room. They'll share the gospel with you. And you can walk out of this building today with the ability to say, the Lord is my shepherd. Oh, I pray that you'll give your heart to Jesus today. So I'm going to invite our staff and our worship team to come. We're going to begin to worship here in just a moment. Before I do, I'm going to say a word to those of you who are believers. You are one of the great shepherd's sheep. Robert Morgan wrote this, I quote, We're traveling under the watchful eye of the great shepherd of the sheep. He knows us by name. He knows your name. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. He carries us in his heart, leads us on our circuit through life pastures and passages. We wander from still waters to stormy climates. We're sometimes surrounded by breathtaking beauty and sometimes encompassed by bloodthirsty foes. We're often bewildered and sometimes cast down. But in truth, we have everything we need. And our shepherd is never in the least rattled or lost. He knows the way home. Jesus knows the way home. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So my my encouragement to every born-again believer in this room, you follow Jesus You follow him with all your heart. Don't play some kind of religious game. Don't be in and out. Don't dabble with the world system. You turn your eyes to Jesus and you follow him and you serve him and you love him with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. And I promise you this, if you follow him, he's going to lead you home. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this spirit-inspired psalm. I thank you, Lord, that you are the great shepherd and you will always take care of your sheep. I thank you, Lord, for the provision that you've made for us. I I thank you, Lord, for the your presence with us and I thank you for your promise to us and I pray Heavenly Father that you would do a work in the hearts of believers that you would encourage believers who are in a dark valley today that you remind them they're not going to be in that valley forever you never leave us in the valley forever and I praise you for that and Lord for those who need to be saved today for those who need to receive you as Lord and Savior, I pray that today they would repent of their sin and place their faith in Jesus. Lord, have your way in our hearts. In Jesus' name.